Another good morning to you, One Hope, as we gather around uh, Stellenbosch in homes. Uh, many of our life groups are meeting for the first time. Just so excited for us to be together. Kate and I are going to be having a group together as well. And just wonderful to be with real breathing human beings. So as we continue our series on prayer this morning, I want to speak about a far superior vaccine for a far greater problem. And that'll make sense a little bit later as we go through the text together. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 in God's Word. That's where we're going to base ourselves. And as we do that, I'm going to just remind us what we've been doing. We've been speaking about prayer and about faith and about the link between the two and how every time that we pray, every time there's a little prayer meeting or a gathering of prayer or we just by ourselves on our knees, we are in faith declaring that God exists. We're declaring that He hears us. We're declaring that He's good and that He's kind and that He wants to help us and He's willing and strong enough to do something about the things that we are praying about. Now, you might feel an inability to pray well. You might feel that it's a barrier to your prayer life. Maybe it stops you praying because you just don't feel very well equipped or it might even stop you going to a corporate prayer meeting because you don't want to pray in front of other people. Or maybe it's even just discouraging to you that you don't pray very well. But I want to encourage you that even the act of prayer, just getting on our knees or, or going out in the, in the garden and walking and, and crying out to God, God is declaring our faith in Him and our dependence on Him. And it's a tremendous act of faith. So exercise that muscle. Keep, even with your fumbling words, God is pleased with our faith. And then week two, we spoke about confidence in prayer. What about my sin? What about my shame? What about my ill discipline and being unable to get up out of my bed when the alarm goes? And last week we looked at Hebrews chapter 4 and how we can come confidently into the throne room of grace. We can draw near to God. We can be relationally close to God in prayer and in our communion because Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses. Jesus understands and was tempted in every way. And He is our great high priest. That's our confidence. And isn't that crazy that our weakness is our confidence in the very moments where we feel unable to come before the Father. The Father is saying, in that moment, I understand you and my throne room is open to you. Grace, mercy, come and find help in your time of need. So one, pray because God is pleased when we pray and the act of prayer is a tremendous act of faith. Two, pray confidently because Jesus understands our weaknesses. Now this morning we're going to change our lens as it were a little bit on the series and I'm going to be talking about prayer through the lens of a great weakness that that besets every human being who ever lived and ever will live. Just I'm going to use that as an example of many other weaknesses that we face. But the, the lens that I want to look at it through is that if Jesus, as we read last week in Hebrews 4, is this great high priest who's able to help because he understands our weaknesses and because he faced all of the same things that we face, wouldn't it be helpful to stop and ask, well, can he help me in my weaknesses? It's wonderful that he understands and so we're still able to come before the Father and we're grateful that we can. But is there another, another step? What if it doesn't stop there? What if He actually opened the door for us to be changed in our weaknesses, to find strength in our moments of crisis, healing and victory over these weaknesses? Wouldn't that be amazing? Now turn with me to Matthew 6 and we're going to read about a 
great besetting weakness, a weakness that is universal. Every race, every strata of society, every culture faces this weakness. It's a weakness that is permanent. I can confidently say that I'm going to struggle with it for the rest of my life and so will you. It, it varies in intensity. For some people it's crippling. For others it's more like a storm that rushes in and out of our lives. But one thing I can tell you for sure is that it will remain a part of our everyday Life. So let's read together Matthew 6 and verse 24. No one, Jesus talking, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So this is the context. Now verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? This is the question Jesus asks his disciples. Verse 27, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the fields, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Is Jesus' rebuke. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now in whatever family setting or hopefully with a with a group in person or even if you're on Zoom this morning, would you choose someone in your group, just pause the video and encourage someone in the group just to pray and ask God's word to be illuminated to our hearts as we sit under it this morning. So this morning we're talking about anxiety and worry and my first question is well how do you deal with anxiety and worry when you when you get that phone call and your stomach just sinks when you face the situation that you need to face or the relational thing that's going on in your life or the unexpected expense on your budget I mean do you just do you just ignore it we all have these anxieties do you medicate it uh, do you do you practice some form of escapism, whether it's eating more or going out and getting drunk because we just have to cope with our lives? Or maybe it's even just distraction and just Netflix or going away on a holiday or just trying to ignore in some way these things. But we all face and feel these anxieties. So let's look at what Jesus is teaching his disciples in this text. And so in verse 24, we see what precedes Jesus' teaching on anxiety. And Jesus says, you can't serve too much masters for either you're going to hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other and so it's quite clear you can't serve both God and money one of them has to be greater than now that's going to be a key theme this morning one of them has to be 
greater than. And then Jesus begins speaking more explicitly about anxiety. And he says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. And so when Jesus says, therefore, or when the Bible says, therefore, we've got to ask what it's there for. And so Jesus is saying, because you can't choose both God and money, let me help you choose. Let me show you which one is the better one to choose. Which is the better master? And he's saying, listen, come closer. I want to tell you in this next section which master to choose. And then he says, do not be anxious, which is a command. It's a command to us. Do not be anxious. Now, I'm going to just deal scripturally with anxiety this morning. I know that even as I say that that's a command for the anxious among us, it raises more anxieties because it's something else that we have to try and live up to. But we're going to look at God's word and I feel like it's beautifully releasing. It's not a condemnatory word. It doesn't make us guilty. It releases us. But at moments as I'm explaining this text, it might make you feel like that. But stick with us until the end. So Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Do not be overly concerned, is another way to say that, about what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So as you read this text, do you notice that these things are pretty fundamental to our lives, right? These are not the the optional extras or the frills. These are drink, food, clothing. And so Christ is talking about things which are really, really the baseline issues in our lives. And he's saying, don't even be anxious about those things. Now, critical to understanding this text in Matthew 6 is to follow the way that Jesus is arguing here. And the way that Christ is arguing and trying to convince his disciples is he's using what we'd call a lesser to greater example or a, or a greater to lesser, either way around. And this is, this is how it works. You have a child and a child is sitting anxiously worried about whether or not his parents can provide dinner for that evening. But the child has forgotten that they're paying for the house, that they're paying for the car, that they're paying for the school fees, and that they're able to do all of these things. And so, by nature of thinking it through, if they can pay for the greater, then they should be able, you can be assured, that they can pay for the lesser. It's another example. It's like wondering if somebody who plays for the spring box, which is the greater, would be okay playing in your school's first team rugby. Like because they can play in the greater arena, they're going to be just fine playing in the lesser arena. And this is the argument that Jesus is is using in this text. He's saying, if God can create your body from nothing, if God can breathe life into that body and give it the very breath that sustains it for each step of its day, the greater, in other words, the body, the life, then surely he's going to be able to sort out your food, your drink, and your clothing. And the incredible lesson that Jesus is going after in this Matthew 6 text is that surely if you can trust God to give you your life and your breath, then you can trust him for all of the these little lesser things that are going on in your world. And so trust in God, the same as week one, faith are the key ideas in this text. Now, why is that? Why is it so important to understand this lesser than, greater than 
argument because what Jesus is showing us, is trying to show us, is that it's the more and the most important thing. It's the more or the most important thing. So let me explain it to you like this. Jesus is forbidding worry and anxiety. He is forbidding it. But Jesus is not saying that these things, food, drink, clothing, fill in the dots, dot, 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 the things that are important in our lives, he is not saying that those things are unimportant. He's simply saying that they are not as important. Do you see? It's a priority thing. He's saying they are lesser than. They are not as important. And the the question he's really getting to is the same question that he asks right up front about two masters, God and money. And he's not saying that money is evil. He's not saying that you can't have money. No, he's saying that money cannot be above God. God is greater than, first than, first in priority over the money. And that's the rightful way that we need to read this text. Right, now let's continue to follow the argument because Jesus takes the very two things he's just mentioned, food and drink and clothing, and he double clicks on them and helps us unpack more of what he's trying to say in this lesser than, greater than argument. So Jesus then says, look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So Jesus takes food and drink and he says, man, we're talking about this lesser thing. Look at the birds of the air. They're not even as valuable as you. They're less valuable than you. So surely if God cares for them, then God is going to care for you. You're even more valuable. And then right in that little verse, in verse 26, I think is the true key to anxiety, the true biblical key to dealing with and understanding human anxiety. When he says this little phrase, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. This is the true antidote, the vaccine to anxiety. Do you see it? Your heavenly father. Father, friends, if only we could grasp this, if only we could truly realize that we, that I, that you have a heavenly Father. This is back to Hebrews 4. Since we have a great high priest, let us enter. It's so personal that we, if we could only understand what it is to have a true Father. Jesus carries on with his teaching and says of which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life. In other words, worry, anxiety, achieve nothing. They achieve nothing. And then he goes on and double clicks on clothing. And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. And Jesus holds up Solomon, perhaps the greatest king, the richest king who ever lived. And he says, not even Solomon could come close to these, this, this grass, which is here today, these lilies. And tomorrow, we just throw them into the fire. And then he says, guys, guys, don't you get it? But if God so clothes the grass of the fields, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Greater, lesser, lesser, greater. And then Jesus' rebuke. 
And Matthew in this text gets to the heart of anxiety. Oh, you of little faith. Oh, me of little faith. Now, let me make a statement here. Every anxiety is based off a misunderstanding of who our Heavenly Father is and His ability to truly care for us. And read that again. Every anxiety is based off a misunderstanding of who our Heavenly Father is and His ability to truly care for us. It's a misprioritizing of the lesser over the greater. It's when we're focusing on the lesser and not focusing on the Father. In some ways, anxiety is a most beautiful warning system for us. It's like waving a red flag and saying your trust is not in the Father. It's like a light coming on on the dashboard of our car and saying something's wrong. You're low on faith. Your anxiety is telling us it's an indicator. It's an indicator to me. My faith is not placed where it should be placed. Now let's continue to read verse 32. For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Now, when Jesus uses the term Gentile, he's speaking about those men and women without God. It's not a racial term as much as it's speaking about those men and women who do not have God. And so as a result, their primary concern is materialism. And who can, who can blame them? These are men and women without God. These are men and women who have no knowledge of a heavenly father. And so they have no antidote to the anxieties of the world. Other than to gather every prop that they possibly can to help them stay afloat. And so would I. And so would I. But Jesus, what he's doing in this text is contrasting that with the way that he's teaching his disciples to live. And he's saying, look, this is how they do it. But this cannot be how you do it because you have a greater than. You have something more significant than what these Gentiles cling on to. You have a heavenly father. And so onto him, a father who knows our every need and has shown us that he's able to provide for every need. We get to cling. Now let me ask you this morning, as Jesus' words to his disciples echo through the centuries to us, which one does your life look like? Does your life look like the followers of Jesus with faith placed in a, in a, in a good God who will care for them and look after them? Or does your life look like, in the words of Jesus, a Gentile who run after all of these things, men and women who do not know that they have a heavenly father. Friend, maybe this morning you don't know this God. Maybe you haven't put your faith in Jesus. And I want to tell you that this is open to every 
person. The scriptures are so clear that anyone who asks receives. Anyone who knocks on the door, that door will be open to them. This, this forgiveness is available to every one of us through our belief, through our faith, through putting it in Jesus Christ and saying all this stuff, all this materialism, everything that I've been trying to use as my salvation, I count it worthless. I see that it's not what I thought it was and I recognize that actually I need you, a heavenly father, access through Jesus. I need you to forgive me my sins and be my my true salvation. Hopefully this text is beginning to make more and more sense to us as I unpack it this morning. Now, you'll see right back in verse 25 that Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious. So he starts with a do not. Now when we get to verse 33, we see the alternative. So Jesus has been unpacking and explaining and a lesser to greater. And he's been saying, man, don't be like this. Rather, look at how your father does this with the animals and all of those things. And then... He goes to the alternative and he says, I've told you what not to do now, but, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And so even in that instruction, Jesus is saying, guys, there's a lesser to greater. Don't seek after the lesser things. Seek after the greater things. Seek the kingdom of God. Seek after his righteousness and put them first. Put them first in your life. Don't worry about your material stuff. Worry about God. And so the summary of this whole text that we've been looking at here in Matthew 6, if I was to summarize it all, it would be something like this. It's a commitment to find and align ourselves to the will of God, to come alongside and make a commitment in our hearts to totally give ourselves to the purposes of God. Now, I know many of you love Jesus, and I know many of us try in some way to align our hearts and our lives alongside that of the kingdom of God. But let me ask you, is it first? This is the question of the text. It's a question of priority. Is it first in our lives? Don't let it be crowded out. I'm continuing the summary. Don't let it be crowded out by, by material things. And here's the promise. When you don't, God will take care of those material things as well. And so anxiety and worrying about these things is not only distracting, but when we truly see who we have in the heavenly Father God, they become unnecessary. We realize, man, I'm being cared for by the most loving, great, powerful Father in the whole universe. I don't have to worry about food and clothing and all these other silly things. My trust is in God. Let me anticipate some feelings in the room. And you say, man, Paul, wow, this is a lot. I'm an anxious person and I'm feeling pretty rubbish, if I can be honest, right now. And something in your heart is crying out, is there any help? Is there any help? Maybe you're saying, Paul, I'm a very anxious person, but I truly love the Lord Jesus Christ and I want to trust Him. But just telling me, to trust Him doesn't help me. It doesn't help me just to say, have faith. Trust in Him. Come on, look, pull yourself toward you, yourself. You know, tell me how. Now, if only we had some means 
some tool, if you would, some method by which we could learn and be reminded of how to place our faith in God. I mean, is there any help for us, guys? Could Can anyone think of anything that builds faith in our lives? Can anyone think of anything that teaches us faith, that trains us in faith, that grows our faith? Right? You're making the link. If anxiety comes from a lack of faith in God, then how do we grow our faith so that we are less anxious in our day-by-day lives. I mean, what was that What was that preacher going on about two weeks ago? What was he saying in that first week? Something about tremendous act of faith. That's what we need. What was it that creates that or helps that tremendous act of faith? It's prayer. Prayer is a tremendous act of faith. It's declaring that God exists, that He hears us, that He's good, that He's able and powerful enough to help us, and that we are depending on Him. So every time we come to pray, we are growing our faith. Every time we come to pray, we're reminding ourselves of last week, Hebrews 4, that we have confident access to the throne room of grace, that we can come, we can draw near to God to help us to help us and so in south africa this week around around the world vaccines are such a big topic but in south africa we've been faced with the fact that a vaccine which we thought would significantly alleviate the problem doesn't really deal with the variety and the strain of covid that we're facing right now and so we've got an ineffective vaccine against a very real problem that we're facing right the bad news is this guys COVID is just one anxiety-inducing problem. It's just one. When COVID has been put to bed, and we no longer remember this phase as vivid as it feels right now, there's going to be another problem. This is the bad news. Our lives are going to be beset with anxiety-inducing problem after anxiety-inducing problem. It's a condition of the human life. It is to be alive right? But here's the good news is that we have a far superior vaccine that deals with a far greater problem. Anxiety will be with us for our whole lives. And we need to say, God, is there a way that you are able to deal with this in my life? And praise God, there is. Every time we come to pray, God is building in us faith. God is building in us a vaccine against anxiety, teaching us every time we relationally come before Him and say, show me again that you're my Father that I can trust, who loves me, that hears me. Every time we're doing that, God is is taking us and saying, you don't have to worry. You don't have to be anxious, just like this Matthew 6 text that we've been reading. Now I'm going to change versions and I'm going to read out of the NLT, but I want to look at just two verses as we close. The first one is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16 to 18. And Paul is writing to the Thessalonians and he says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And here Paul is telling us a posture or a a way for us to pray. Be joyful always. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. Now let's go to Philippians chapter 4 and let's read in chapter 4 verse 4. 
always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Go down to verse 6. Don't worry about anything, right? Matthew 6 that we've just been reading. Jesus' instructions to his disciples. But how? But how? Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And every anxious person or anyone facing anxieties today goes, yes, please give me some of this. I need to experience God's peace, which exceeds everything I can understand and guards my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to Stop the video for a moment and in your groups or with your family or wherever you are this morning, I want you to just answer this one question. What three responses do these verses highlight in our approach to God? Now, let me ask you, did you see them? Did you see how almost identical these two passages are? Both of them are saying joy, prayer, thankfulness right always be joyful never stop praying be thankful then we go to philippians always be full of joy i'm going to say it to you again rejoice and then he goes don't worry about anything instead pray about everything and then he says and when you're praying tell god what you need and thank him for all that he has done man these three things are such critical keys to us understanding who god really is and in our warfare against the anxiety in our lives to build up our faith as we come and we choose joy we come and instead of looking at everything that is wrong in our lives we say father we want to be joyful I want you to show me again what it is that you have done that, that, that induces this God joy, not just happy, not just my circumstances are going well, but actually, no, I have a joy beyond the circumstances. It bolsters us as we learn to pray and never stop praying. It bolsters us in our prayer and such a wonderful key, we cultivate thankfulness we cultivate coming in the midst of our anxieties and saying lord i am so worried about this i am so worried about this but remind me what you've already done remind me what i can be thankful about now i want you to stop the video again and discuss among your group or with your family are there any examples in your group of how these three responses have helped defeat anxiety in your life let's get practical let's talk about moments anxious moments um, horrible situations and just how looking at these three things joy prayer and thankfulness have helped in those moments let me finish this morning with the simple question are you anxious and the answer for many of us Many times, even in this last week, great anxiety in my own heart. And I want to just finish with reading this promise over us from Philippians 4 and verse 7. Then you will experience God's peace. When we are joyful, prayerful, thankful, then we will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. In other words, you put all the things on the table, all the situations you put on the table, all the anxieties. And if in your own understanding you look at them, they should cause anxiety. But in the economy of God, he's saying, I will take you beyond 
what you can just understand. And those same things will be on the table. You'll be facing the same facts. But as you face those facts, you will be facing the Father. And it will change your life so that you will have peace. You will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Friends, let me remind us this week, every anxiety is a prayer trigger. It's a trigger. It's a flag, a beautiful God-given alarm on our dashboard to say, go and pray. Go and remind yourself that God is bigger than. God is greater than. Go and reprioritize your life. Prayer is the demonstration of faith. It's a demonstration of our dependence on God. Remember our confident access to the throne room of grace. Remember to come in with our shame, with our guilt, with our ill discipline. We can still come confidently before the Father. And as we do, let's cultivate joy, a determination to keep on praying, to keep on praying and thankfulness in our hearts. Let me pray for us as we close. Father, thank you that you are our heavenly Father. Thank you that you care for us. Thank you, Lord, that we are of more value than these things which we can look around, nature and birds and animals, and we can see you caring for them, Father. They don't have to live under this anxious toil that we live under, this anxiety, this worry about our lives. And Father, thank you that you you do validate that those things are important in our lives, but that they're just not to be our focus, that our focus is to be your kingdom first, your righteousness, what you are doing in the world. These are the things that we We come and examine our own hearts and say, Lord, are they first? Are they first? Are they the greater than? Lord, we need your help. I pray for your grace to flow through this message to those who are really struggling ongoingly with anxiety in their lives. Father, not one moment today have I wanted to bring any condemnation, any guilt any pull yourself toward yourself. Lord, I'm simply pointing us toward a great father. A great father who will care for us. Holy Spirit, would you do that work in our hearts that we would truly know. We would truly know that our anxieties can pale into insignificance because we have a great, merciful father is caring for us. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Have a wonderful Sunday further. God bless you guys. We'll see you again next week.